We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast, and welcome to the month of August. This year is flying by. It is your Saturday crew for the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am Jason Perrone, along with Mark Eckel and Paul Brettel. Mark, how are we doing? Yes, we're okay. Um, I would think, you know, in a, in a normal year, August 1st would mean, hey, Hall of Fame game's coming up, preseason games are right here but not not in 2020 no (laughs) no totally different totally different times and since i know we always do the weather update there is actually a significant thing happening here in arizona which is not that the sun is out because that's obvious but 117 as we sit right now that is uh thankfully that's fahrenheit i think in celsius that would make it about 200 degrees fahrenheit i don't know anyway paul brittle over on the the great Dairyland state of Wisconsin, how are we doing over there? Uh, doing great. Brewers are back, still playing. That's good news, and the Bucks are back as well. However, I will say it's just a little disappointing, or quite disappointing, that I'm not at training camp practices, and uh, there's just not that same buzz that's usually going on in Green Bay as there normally is. But good news, season is still on track, so let's let's hope we get to that point. Yeah, and I, for those of you out there that obviously are not privy to the conversations that I have almost on the daily with Paul, Paul started getting a little frustrated with his baseball team, the Brewers, until I reminded him that I am a Arizona Diamondbacks supporter, and I didn't hear, I haven't heard anything from you since then, Paul. So I think I think you've reset your um, your baseline, and I think it's the Brewers, man. They're going to be fine. They'll be okay. That's yes, sir. And they won since we last talked too. So there we go. There you go. I probably can't say the same for the, the Diamondbacks, although I don't know. I'm not really paying that close of attention. So, because it's football, it's football season, and even though there are a ton of moving parts and a lot of changing things that are going on, it is Packers training camp. Packers training camp has kicked off. It has started. The I know it's been covered on this show already, but just a quick around the horn because it's going to relate to our topic today, which is both Mark and Paul wrote articles that detailed their 53 well their I shouldn't say 53 
but their roster predictions for this season. So we're going to review those and talk about some of the similarities and differences. But one of the areas that was disrupted was the wide receiver position when it was announced that Devin Funches was opting out of the 2020 season. He is so far the only Green Bay Packer. We are recording this on Thursday evening, so that may have changed by the time you're listening to this. Had that has opted out so far. So, Mark, I'll start with you. The news on Funches, uh, I know that it's not unexpected that a player might have opted out, but the fact that it's Funches and your thoughts on the wide receiver group. Well, it's not. I mean, Paul and I both agreed on this for the last couple since since the draft that we weren't as um, concerned about wide receiver as a lot of people. Um, I'm a little bit more now. I mean, Funches was the veteran that, that I thought they, they needed in that group. I mean, other than Adams, of course, but, um, he was a guy that, you know, he, he's proven himself in the league. He's had some decent years in, in Carolina. I thought, he, I thought he'd be a great red zone target. And, you know, and that's an area that the Packers have had their problems with. You know, kicking too many field goals instead of getting touchdowns when they get down in, in, inside the 20. Um, I thought he would, you know, if, if nothing else, catch some uh, touchdown passes, some, some short touchdown passes. Uh, now, I, again, I'm not going to like I, I'm not going to fault any player on on any team that decides that he just doesn't think it's worth the uh, risk. You know, he's putting his family, his children uh, first. You know, I'm a, I, you know, good for him. Uh, you know, and he and he gave the team plenty of notice, which I which I think is is important. Um, he, but but if you ask me, I thought people. You know, I think every team's going to have at least one of five players op, opt out. Funches wasn't wasn't a guy I would have picked on the Packers. Because, I, I mean, it must really mean a, mean a lot to him because he, I mean, here's a guy that came in on a one-year prove-it deal. So, like, he's giving up a lot in, in terms of, you know, his his, his future. Um, the money, I mean, you know, anybody would is giving up a nice contract. But, I mean, if, if, if he had a decent year this year, he stood to be a free agent next year and, you know, sign a nice long-term deal either with the Packers or with another team. So um, give him credit there that he's, he's putting family ahead of his own, you know, his, his own football career. Yeah. And I talked about it on the quick slants podcast that went up today, um, or I should say earlier this week went up on Thursday about that and the, that it is a personal decision. But the thing about Bob Funches that stands out is that he's still pretty young. I mean, he's pretty young to be a guy that's on a mm. prove-it deal already. And for one, that did some of the good things that he did in Carolina. But I think a lot of that had to do with him missing a lot of last season and the Packers maybe just not knowing exactly how well he might bounce back after not playing football for a year. Paul, as far as – and we'll break it down more when we get to the roster differences and your guys' roster predictions. But just some quick thoughts on Funches and when the news first hit and your initial reaction. Yeah, so after – you know, I, shortly after that, that night I wrote an article for the next day. And my thought on the receiver position is without Funches, it doesn't change my expectations for this team. You know, I still think they're a Super Bowl caliber team with Funches without Funches, but it it adds pressure to, you know, MVS, EQ, Jake Kumro, Begleton, if they're on the roster, it adds pressure to them to step up and produce this year because, you know, like Mark, I saw Funches as the veteran kind of that safety blanket, that stability, that, that bringing that stability to a unit that has question marks. You know, I'm confident that I think, you know, I haven't said it here before. I think MVS bounce back. I think EQ has a nice season as well, but there's also scenarios where neither of those happen. You know, everyone expects Lazard to take a step forward, but we still need to see that. And so I think that fun just provided a security blanket if one of those guys, you know, doesn't perform as we hope. So there's just added pressure on those guys to produce. But like I said, it doesn't change my expectations for this team. Yeah, and, and I think I agree with you there. You hit you hit the nail on the head as far as, man, the Packers obviously were betting on who they had in the wide receiver room by not adding a bunch else outside of Funches. If... I can't even imagine if M- both MVS and EQ don't pan out this season, how bad that's going to be for for the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, I'm pulling for all these players to do well because they're Green Bay Packers, but specifically those two guys because they've shown they can do it. 
it would be a huge disappointment if they didn't. So we'll hit the wide receiver position at some point, but I want to start out with, I'm actually going to kind of go in a little bit of reverse order here because I want to start off with the, the easiest and most obvious group, which is the specialists. And you guys both agreed on your roster predictions. Mason Crosby as the kicker, J.K. Scott as the punter, Hunter Bradley as the long snapper. No surprise there. I don't really know what else there is to be to say other than obviously Mason Crosby is important because he's been a, a steady kicker for a long time. But Mark, anything to add on those three? No, I mean I, you know, Scott. Scott has to be more. I think he's a very good punter. He just needs consistency because you. I mean. There are some punts you see him, and he just booms the heck out of them. You know, great, great hang time, great, great distance. Uh, he, you know, he, he puts him inside the 20, but then, and it seems like at the worst time sometimes, he'll just, you know, shank a 28 yarder or something. And, you know, and, and that's, I think that comes with experience and, and learning the game a little more. Um, you know, he's fine. And Hunter Bradley, I mean, you know, you only know a long snapper when there's a bad snap. And, there hasn't been one yet from him, so all's all's well all's well there. Yeah, I would say that. And with with regards to J.K. Scott, it just it's you want the Packers to have a plan. I mean, I remember a couple seasons ago when they decided to cut Tim Mastay and they brought Jacob Shum in like the day before their last preseason game, right? It might have even been after their last preseason game, and then he starts the season as the the punter. That was in 2016, I think, if I'm not mistaken. And you don't want to be in that kind of situation, but the Packers aren't going to do that. They drift. They drafted. Scott in the fifth round just a year ago, uh, you know, two years ago. So it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be anything that they're going to move on from um, too quickly, but Paul, anything to add about the specialists? Uh, No, I believe I summed it up as those are the only guys at their positions entering camp. So there you go. There you go. Exactly. All right. So we'll go in order here and we'll start with the obvious, which is the quarterback position. So you each had the same quarterback room. You've got Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Tim Boyle, Paul, we'll start with you on the quarterback situation. Obviously, smart for the Packers to think ahead and carry at least one extra quarterback uh, in these COVID times and with a lot of uncertainty. Yeah, that was pretty much my thinking behind it. Usually, I am not a proponent of carrying three quarterbacks. I think that roster spot can be better used at a different position. But this year, we don't—I mean, we don't know what's going to happen. And say Aaron Rodgers has to miss two weeks. You know, I want to back up in Boyle who knows the offense rather than trying to scramble, find someone, you know, in free agency, bring them in, catch them up to speed, you know, for a two week period before he's back. So uh, I just think it makes sense given the times that we're in. Mark, I'm assuming that was probably similar to your thought process with the QBs. Yes. Yeah. I kept all three for the same reason. Um, You know, if we were not going through what we're going through with, you know, with COVID-19, I thought there was a chance they might only keep two, you know, like as a, as Paul said, you could use that roster spot, you know, for an extra lineman, for an extra linebacker, for an extra whatever you felt. Um, but I don't, you know, without any preseason games, I don't see Jordan Love being ready to be the number two quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. This year. Now, maybe I'm, you know, hey, if he is, then he's really good. I mean, and he's really better than a lot of people think. Um, but I just don't see any rookie quarterback. Um, and, he, and, you know, he was a little bit of a project to begin with. So, yeah, I don't I don't see him. I, I thought he needed and, and we, we've talked about uh, about this here that, you know, that that's the one. I hate preseason games. I really do. I, I hate to cover them. I just think, you know, I watch them just hoping nobody gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year was the one year I kind of was looking forward to preseason just to see, you know, what Jordan Love was all about. Oh, you and everyone else. And I think, yeah. Yeah. And I think you make a great point there, which is if he steps up and plays well. Now, he's obviously, you know, they trade up in the first round to draft him. He's a top prospect, and a lot of teams had him higher on their board. You expect a player like him to have a better chance of success than not, even if he doesn't play a lot, because his talent level should warrant the first round pick. But they've had such limited time to learn the offense, and you're getting used to life in the NFL, which is very different from college. All those factors, I think. All of that makes a ton of sense. And so for Jordan Love to have to play this season, you know, it could be a sink or swim type of situation. And then the other thing that we don't know a lot about with regards to Love is how well would he handle coming in and laying an absolute clunker and if he plays in a game and can his confidence recover and 
can he mentally handle that? You know, we don't we don't know the answer to that question. So Boyle being there obviously I think helps take a lot of pressure off of the Packers in a quarterback that knows the offense, like you said, Paul. And then if Jordan Love, you know, has to has to go in there and play, you at least have the option to go in a different direction if you want to if you want to save Love for a, a number of reasons there. So that's the QB position. You guys were in lockstep. And Boyle's not bad. Boyle's not a bad backup. I can live with Tim Boyle mm-hmm. as, as a you know what I'm saying he's. I well, hey, and listen, anybody, I, I, any, I mean, any guy that comes in as an undrafted free agent that makes a team, now obviously the Packers are very solidified in who their quarterback is and has been for many years, so it's not like, you know, Boyle had to really compete hard against somebody for that number two spot, but he did have to win well, the did, spot. He did have to win the spot, but, you know. He beat out a, a, a second-round pick. Of the, oh, I mean, not the Packers' second-round pick, but. He beat out Kaiser last year. Well, Kaiser was drafted there. I don't know if his, <laughs> if oh, what we've okay. seen from him necessarily <laughs> warranted that. But again, that shows the risk of the NFL and of the draft, which is you just never know. You know, as high rated as as much play as some of these players get, and there's going to be guys that were drafted high this season that are not going to pan out, and there's going to be some sure. that will that weren't drafted very highly. It happens every single season. So. Uh, you know, Tim Boyle, you you could definitely do a lot worse if you needed a need a number two or a security blanket there. So, quarterback position, we agreed there. You guys agree also on the next position, which is running backs. You both had the same four: Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Jamal Williams, and Tyler Irvin. A good point to be made about the depth of the position because you've got a couple of young guys too that could potentially hold spots on the practice squad and be be a backup there. Because again, you never know what's going to happen with the health situation and running backs tend to get dinged up a little bit. I know Aaron Jones has missed some time. We don't know how durable A.J. Dillon's going to be at the pro level. So, Mark, we'll start with you in the running back position because you've got some good notes here about uh, this running back group as compared to one that we remember from a while ago. Yeah, I think this is as deep and as talented as the Packers have been at running back since they had Amon Green, Najee Davenport, and Tony Fisher, uh, which was three, you know, and all three of them, I mean, I'm, I'm going back to that, what's that, early two, 2000s, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Green was the guy. I mean, he was, you know, he was the guy. But you brought Davenport in as a as a change of pace, big, big bruiser, you know, pick up some tough yards. And then Fisher was a great re- receiver out of the backfield that, that, that could do a lot of things. Also pretty good blocker. Um, so they had a, you know, it was very versatile, talented backfield then. And I think what we're looking at now is somewhat, the same. I mean, Aaron Jones being the guy, but AJ Dillon being that big back, uh, that like you know, I think he's better than Davenport overall. Maybe, but let, let's hope he is. Uh, and then Jamal Williams being your, um, you know, do it all kind of guy, block, run, catch. So it's it's a very it, it's a deep, talented group. And then and Irvin, who's your re- return guy, and he saved the, the return game last year for him. And, he could also be like a little gadget type guy that they can bring in and have a handful of plays for a you know a, a jet sweep or a you know a, a bubble screen. And he, you know, there, there's all kind of things they could do with him. Well, and he's not at the same level. But Mark, you covered a team that had a player that was really, really good in that type of role, and that was Darren Sproles when he was with the Eagles. Exactly, and but it, yeah, he, if Irvin, yeah, you're right. That's a very good comparison. Especially Sproles with the Eagles, because by that point he was a little past his prime, um, and the Eagles kind of he got hurt every year with the Eagles because I think they overused him. Um, but yeah, I mean that. Yeah, I mean, and and that's a valuable kind of guy to have. I mean, you know, there's a time and a place for for a back like like Tyler Irvin, uh, and I hope he does get a play here. Not now, again, there's only one ball, and you got three good backs that we I just mentioned plus. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to want to throw the ball to Devontae Adams a few times a game. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many plays a game the Packers are going to have, but I could, you know, running back is very good. That's, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, and having A.J. Dillon is going to help, you know, you assume if he's going to take some decent snaps as a rookie, it's going to help keep some of that wear off of Aaron Jones. And it has me wondering, Paul, a little bit if this might not help Aaron Jones in terms of his, you know, just saving some of that mileage on him and whether or not that makes him more attractive to the Packers when they start thinking about extending him or maybe wanting to give him some additional years onto his contract. Yeah, I think it'll give uh, Jones a little bit of a reprieve, but I think the addition of Dylan, 
what it really does is it gives them another explosive option. You know, not taking any way, anything away from Jamal Williams is an all-around back. He's excellent, you know, run blocking, um, running the ball, pass catching. But he doesn't have that explosive ability. A.J. Dillon does. And it just gives them that home run, you know, potential in addition to Jones. And I also think it allows Green Bay to put Aaron Jones um, in a receiver role more often this year as well. With Dylan in the backfield, I think we're going to see more of Aaron Jones in the slot and out wide than we did last year as well. I think it just frees up Lafleur a little bit. Yeah, that's and that was successful. I mean, they had a lot of success with Jones in the passing game when they finally got it down, and you know they had a couple misses too. But the offense showed that the system works if you've got a dynamic back like a Jones that can take on that role as a receiver. So I'm looking forward to that continuing and, and only getting better in this season. So Paul, we'll stay with you moving into the next position, which is wide receiver. And this is where you and Mark did vary a little bit. So I will let you go through your, uh, you've got uh, five wide receivers. So I'll let you go through your guys. Obviously Devin Funches being one of them because we don't know what we don't know at the time that this was done. Yep. So I am, I'm on the side of, I think the Packers just need five receivers this year with the way the floor wants to run the offense. We're going to see a lot more, tight ends and running backs. You know, we already did last year. Last year was also a mashup of what Lafleur likes to run and what McCarthy had established over the years. You know, it's, it's difficult to, in one year, implement your entire offense. So as we could tell from the draft, it's going to go more in the direction of what Lafleur envisions it being. And that means more two running back, two tight end sets. The days of Aaron Rodgers lining up with four or five wide in Green Bay, they're pretty much gone. We'll see it here and there, but that's not going to be the bread and butter anymore. So with that in play, when we think about pass catchers, not receivers, there's we already mentioned the running backs, Tyler Irvin, Jamal Williams, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, tight end, um, Robert Tanyan, Mercedes Lewis here and there, Jay Sternberger, then DeGuara as the you know H-back tight end role as well. So then we add in five more receivers, and all of a sudden we have 13 pass catchers that can see the field regularly and can all be um, can function in the passing game. So that's why I put the five receivers on there, and it was MVS, EQ, Lazard, Funches, and Devontae Adams, of course. Now with Funches out, I still think that they can get by with five. However, just to amend, I will put in Jake Kumro over Reggie Begleton. And the big, two big reasons for that. One, QB1 is a fan of his, and I do think that plays a factor. But two, this offseason, Begleton's coming from the CFL, OTAs, mini camps, all been done virtually. There's no preseason games. And Jake Kumro is now in his third year with the Packers, second in the Lafleur offense. I think that that advantage is what's going to separate him. Yeah, and that's there's going to be a bunch of anomalies and things that are going to take place because of this unique situation this season that wouldn't have otherwise. And you'll see some players that may not have a career that would have and some that would have had a career that don't. And I think you make a solid case there for Jay Kumaro. I think in a different world, you know, Kumaro might be challenged to make this roster, but Mark, you had six wide receivers, right. and you you did have uh, Reggie Begleton on your yeah. list. So take us through your list, and obviously, again, you've got Funches. So who are you swapping in for Funches, if anybody? Well, now, well, now I'll probably like like Paul said, I'll, I would probably just keep the five. Uh, I'm not keeping Jay Coomer. I've had enough of Jay Coomer. I know Rogers <laughs> talks about big deal. I mean, Rod, last I looked, Rogers wasn't general manager, so. Um, and, you know, next year, Rogers isn't going to be here, so who cares? Um, oh. <laughs> uh, well, didn't he say that? Did we pick the wrong topic for today? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I kept Begleton only because I've been talking him up since they signed him. So I would be a little bit, it'd be a little hypocritical of me to talk about this guy that they got from Canada and, and how productive he's been and blah, 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 and then not put him on the 53. So, I mean, Kumarau, listen, he's the, you know, he's the oldest of the Packers wide receivers. So, there's not a lot of upside for him. I mean, he he kind of is. This is what he is. Um, he gets hurt a lot. Um, listen, I hope he, you know, I hope they all do well. But, I mean, if I had to cut one, he was the guy that I that I cut because I don't see, I don't see the upside. Um, durability has been, a, been an issue. You know, you know, last year, they talked him up every week, Kumra, Kumra, and then he never played. So I don't know. There's something that's missing there. 
I think that's one of the most telling things from last season that is not talked about. For how underwhelming that unit was, we still didn't see Jake Kumro on the field, yes. and that's very telling. Yeah, I would agree with that too. And and you know, if we move into the next spot, which is tight end, let me just add, let me just add one, one more thing. Do do either of you think with Funches out now, so the Packers get his money back for this year? Um, will they sign him? Is there potentially a guy out there that they may? sign and or trade for i would expect and paul I'll let you you chime in on this too i would expect the packers and brian gutekunst to do what they've done since he took over two seasons ago which is at least consider his options yeah i think if i had to guess i think they stay where they are they stand pat um you know one guy that i've kind of liked throughout this off season and he's not going to cost very much is taylor gabriel um, he brings, I like that he brings a little bit different body and skill set. You know, Packers have a lot of big bodied receivers. You know, he's that smaller, more traditional slot receiver, which I don't think is necessary for the LeFleur offense to be successful. But I like the change of pace, and he's, he's a reliable pass catcher. I know last year he was injured, um, had a few drops as well. But over his career, or the three years before that, he averaged almost 70% catch rate. And so that's kind of that Funchess role. I know obviously different skill sets, but that veteran who can provide some stability. So I wouldn't mind that addition, but like I said, I think they stay where they are. Yeah, because Funchess was a veteran body, and maybe they really want a veteran body in there, even though MBS and EQ would hypothetically be going into their third years and they qualify as veterans. You know, they might be looking for a little bit more experience and proven production on the field. So that's an interesting position to keep an eye on. And then if we look at some more pass catchers, this is probably a quick conversation. The tight end group, you each have the same four, Jay Sternberger, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah DeGuara, and Robert Tanya. Now DeGuara is going to play some H-back, so he's not going to be your true true tight end. But I think that helps the Packers stay dynamic because if you just had four straight-up tight ends, well, how are you going to get them all in the field and, and get them the snaps that you want to? I mean, Mercedes Lewis at this point is a, you know, he's basically an additional offensive lineman. He's not a, a dynamic pass catcher at all, although he can probably haul up one or two in if they're on the goal line. Jay Sternberger, we've talked about before with the expectations of him having a big season. He was one of my breakout players. DeGuaro is a rookie, unproven, we're not sure. And Tanya, we know what we're getting in him is as a good special teams contributor. And then he, he shows up every once in a while on the highlight film. So Mark, anything to add about the tight ends and that those four, I mean, obviously this, this, this was a pretty cut and dry group of four. Yeah. And like I, as I wrote in the story, I mean, Jaguar is, I don't consider him a tight end. I, I was really tempted to put him as a, as a H back fullback. Cause I think he'll line up there is just as often. But as I said, or as I wrote, if he's going to wear 81, I guess I got to call him a tight end, right? So, but he's, I mean, he's like you said, he's not your classic tight end in any sense of the imagination. He, he's going to be everywhere. He, he's going to be, I think, I kind of think they want to use him the way the 49ers use a guy whose name I can't pronounce. Use check. Yeah, him. Jinx. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but yeah, but yeah, tight end's pretty, it's pretty cut and dry. I mean, I don't see Looney upsetting the cart there and knocking off Tanya. I, I mean, he'll try, but I don't think it's going to happen. No, it's I'll a great story. And you make you make a good point about DeGuara and the number that he's wearing. I know Andy Benoit somewhere is smiling if he's listening to this show because it's important that the number on the back of the jersey line up with the position that the player is playing on the field. And we all, as Packers fans, know what, what I'm talking about right there. And DeGuara might want to be careful. You know, it was announced on Thursday that the Packers claimed – H-back John Lovett off of waivers from the Kansas City Chiefs, so the rookie might have some competition there. I say that tongue-in-cheek uh, as Lovett never even got on the field last year because he was on injured reserve with the Chiefs with a shoulder injury, so he has yet to take a snap in the NFL. But Paul, tight end position, again, like Mark said, pretty cut and dry, and you had the same four guys. Anything to add? No, like running back, that's you know those are kind of no-brainers for me. Those four are making it. Yeah, so moving into the offensive line, this is a healthier discussion. You guys had a little bit of variation here. So, uh, Mark, you had nine, if I'm not mistaken. You have nine Correct. guys. Paul, you had then ten because you had one extra one extra guy, If I'm not, if, unless my yep. math is off there. Nope, that's so, correct. So, Mark, we'll start with you as far as your offensive line. I mean, this is one where there's a lot of choices to make, and there's going to be some names that we're familiar with that aren't going to make the cut. 
Right. I, I kept the, you know, the, the, the starting five or starting six, I'll say, in that Bakhtiari, uh, Jenkins, Lindsley, uh, Turner, Taylor, because whoever wins that job, and my good friend Ricky Wagner, who, <laughs> <laughs> who I, you know, I still hope is a backup, but for now he's your starting right tackle. So I kept those six. I kept Lucas Patrick because obviously they're going to keep him. They extended him last year. They like him. I kept John Runyon Jr. Uh, I don't think he'll dress for a lot of games this year, but he'll be on the team. Um, and I kept the backup center, Hanson, who I think they, they like as well. I think the other kid, um, Step, Stepniak, will be on Pup. Um, I think, you know, he's coming off the injury. No reason to force him in there. Um, and then I got rid of all the other, I got rid of all the borderline tackles, the Alex Light, the Le, uh, John LeGlue. Um, I just think they're, I mean, I think the all, I think, I think in a perfect world, a lot of these young offensive linemen end up on the practice squad, um, and could body, you know, over the course of the season, hopefully if there is a long season, you know, they could, they could be up and down, um, depending on injuries and whatever else happens this, this crazy season. But, um, I just thought nine was enough. I know, you know, Paul had the extra lineman because he went short at wide receivers. So, um, who was the guy, who, who was the 10th one that, that you kept? Paul? Yosh Nishman. Yeah. Yep. And I, that wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me at all. Although I think he could probably use another year on a practice squad. Well, and, and I was going to say, Mark, you've got nine on your offensive line, but you've got in your, in some of your notes oh, here, you've got it. You've got a You've got a guy that you wouldn't mind adding as a 10th there as a little bit of insurance. Well, yeah. And I think Paul agrees with me here. We want, I want my man back, Jared Veldier. Mm-hmm. And, but again, if, if I bring him back, I don't know if I'm keeping 10. I may cut one of my, one of the guys that are there now. Yeah, which is which is always which is always possible. I mean, you've got a lot of a lot of bodies there. So, Paul, you did have Yosh Nijman making the roster, along with the same other guys that Mark had. So, pretty pretty much in in similar thought there. But as far as the breakdown or the reasoning, any major differences? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm with Mark, and we've talked about it quite a bit on here. The concerns that we have at the tackle position, and really just the lack of depth. I mean. Wagner, there's a chance he gets hurt this year. He's been hurt, I think, most years he's been in the NFL. Or if he struggles, there's not any really good options behind him. And I'm not saying that Yosh is going to step in and be that great option. But I wanted a true tackle. And I understand that this is a bit of a swing for the fences. And he's going to have had to have taken a big step forward between last year and this year. And with what Mark said, another year of on the practice squad will probably do him good. But it was a little bit of a swing for the fences. We know what Alex Light can offer. Um, and I think from a, a ceiling potential standpoint, he has much more than, you know, the John LeGlues and the Cody Conway. So I wanted another true tackle just to have as an option for depth and took a little swing for the fences. Well, Alex Light didn't prove to be much last season. So, I mean, it's it's – you know that might have actually been a, a more quality at bat than you think, Paul. I mean, it could it could have been your your guy trying to inside out one into right field for a base hit. You know, <laughs> depends I mean, depends what Yosh looks like this summer. I mean, a month from well, now, he's going to look. He's going to yeah, look. Tr- he looks the part. I mean, he has yes. great. He has all the all the tools are there. I mean, he has great size. Um, I think he's athletic. the biggest guy on the team, right? Yeah, and and he's pretty athletic. I mean, um, I remember coming out of. Virginia Tech, like his 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 athletic numbers at the combine and stuff were were, were pretty off the off the charts. So there there is there's a lot of ability there. Um, you know, you you could be right there. I mean, he, he again, he's another guy though that that could have probably used a real training camp, mm-hmm. some mini camps, and you know, three or four preseason games to 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 get that talent out. You know, to to look good. Uh, now he'll have some practices and stuff, but again, it's not going to be the same. Yeah, it, it's well, and again, Alex Light, you swap him in or, or out for one of these other guys. I don't think you can really do. I turned yeah, off the light. Yeah, much worse. You can't do much worse. You can. It could, it could get better. So you know, I don't. I don't hate the logic at all. And and again, with offensive linemen, you know, you never know what the what the availability situation is going to be this year. So there's a lot to figure out there too. But. 
that'll wrap up the offense. We move on to the defensive side of the ball. So we start on the defensive line. You were they had the same five: Kenny Clark, Dean Lowry, Kingsley Kiki, Tyler Lancaster, and Trayvon Hester. Kenny Clark coming fresh off of a snub from the NFL's top 100 list. Mark. Again, I don't. I I'm one of them because I'm old. I don't care about those lists. Um, <laughs> but but it, that's that's impossible. That's just impossible. There are not 100 players in the NFL better than Kenny Clark. And it's voted on They're by the players. This, yeah, but I've seen those players vote. <laughs> no, I have. I mean, they give it to them like with like a week or two to go in the season. If, like a PR guy goes around and hands it to them, and they're like, they, they, especially if you're a team like fighting for the play, the last thing you feel like doing is filling this ballot out, you know? So they just, you know, somebody, they just, it, it, it's not as, it's not taken as serious as, the players who vote don't take it as serious as the fans who get upset. Let's let's leave it at that. <laughs> that seems they, fair. <laughs> they 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 just don't. And I mean, listen, I don't. You know, I'm a Packer fan. Okay, right. But I'm also kind of objective. I think from all my years of covering, Kenny Clark, I think is the best is the second third best player on the Packers. I mean, I know Zadarius Smith had a had a great year and all that, but if I could only keep one of them, I might keep Kenny Clark. I mean. There's a noticeable difference in that Packer defense when when he's healthy and playing well, as to when he's a little dick. I mean, he makes other guys. Dean Lowry plays much better when Kenny Clark is is at his best. Um, I mean, I, it, that's I don't know. Leaving him off the top hundred was insane. I thought it was just total insanity. Well, it, yeah, it, it was just it was disappointing. But and to your point, Mark, I mean. If you're making a choice between, which hopefully we don't ever, the Packers don't have to do, but if you're making a choice between Kenny Clark and any other major free agent on this team, just remember, Kenny Clark is about to get paid and, and go into his second contract. He's only 24 years old. So if you've got a stud that's 24, I don't know if it gets any easier of a decision than that, right? I love the guy. I just think he's, I mean, he's one of the few last very good picks that, that Ted Thompson made. And, I, you know, that was a real good pick getting him, you know, late first round like he did. Um, I, you know, again, I, again I, you know what it is, too? Players look, you know, he, he, he doesn't get a ton of sacks because that's not what he does. He's, a, you know, he, but he takes on two and three blocks. He just does so much. If you watch him, if you watch film, I mean, I just think, I mean, maybe I'm overrating him. I don't know, but I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it was coming down to like I, I, again. I was like, well, I didn't watch it at all, but I was watching it on Twitter. I guess people say no. I, I, I guess word got out the Packers had six six players, and everybody was trying to guess who you know who, who the six were. And I would say, well, Clark's definitely one of them. You know, I just had him as. I was at the end. I was thinking, maybe they didn't put Rogers on it. I mean, I really <laughs> that really entered my mind. I couldn't fathom Kenny Clark not not being being one of the top hundred players in in the, in the NFL. I think he's in the top 50. I mean, I might, I might actually do this. Now that you got me going on this. I might actually <laughs> just do my top. I think I might have him in the top 50. I really might. Right. Well, so as far as the defensive line, Paul, I know you're a big Kenny Clark fan as well. I'm sure that the the snub from the list stood out to you, whether you care about it or not. I, I don't exactly know. But you and Mark kind of shared the same sentiment as far as who should be up front on the Packers defense this season. Yeah, we were both out on Montrevious Adams. You know, my yeah. my thinking was... It's... Did I talk into that one? <laughs> Do I get any credit for that? <laughs> I've, I've, I've been on the fence, but yes, you may have pushed me over the top on that. But, you know, he's entering year four now. Um, you know, we haven't seen, you know, he was injured early, and then we haven't seen much in terms of production from him since. And I like, you know, I think Trayvon Hester, he's another rotational guy. He's not going to come in and dominate, but he's appeared in 41 games over his career. And he can provide some help against the run, which is what this team mm-hmm. needs. One thing I will, he wasn't on my roster, but I, in my story or article, I did mention that, and it would have looked poorly now since he's been cut, but I did mention mm-hmm. that I was considering Gerald Willis over Tyler so, Lancaster. Reason being, Willis, very productive at Miami. I think he's just got more potential than Lancaster. Lancaster, he's been solid in small doses. But I think we just know what he is. Willis, I think there's untapped potential there. So I did mention that I wrestled with that one a bit, but ultimately I did go with Lancaster. Well, I actually, I wrote, I wrote, I wrote that story, I believe, 
on a Saturday. It, it appeared Monday. And when I wrote it, it was before Willis got cut. So I had to actually go in and edit it. <laughs> I didn't ha- I didn't have Willis on the team, but I, I, I had him saying, like, well, at least he could at least be on the practice squad. He could give him this, uh-huh. that, other thing. He must, there must be issues there that we don't know about because the kid that I saw at the University of Miami is too good to be the, like the 90th player, like a guy, the first player cut. He's just too good. And the Packers aren't the first team to cut him. The Ravens cut him, the Dolphins cut him. So there's something missing that we don't know that there's something, whether it's off the field stuff, because he did have some baggage both in Florida and at the and it's so there must be something there that we don't that we're not aware of that the Packers just said, you know what it's not worth dealing with this yeah he's too talented too talented, he's too talented to, not, to get a look at at a position where the Packers aren't very deep you know mm-hmm. well in this season oh, yeah. it's, it's one of those where this year more than any I mean in any season it's tough to speculate and know what the heck is going on this year there's a ton of other things that it could be on top right. of all those. All of that too. So the bottom line is Gerald Willis is not a Green Bay Packer right now. At least, is, at least not at, at this point. If he's brought back, who knows? But uh, so defensive line wise, you guys were, you guys were, you know, you guys were both in lockstep there as well with the the five that you had. So you didn't add Everson Griffin, uh, Paul? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> I'll just say as far as that goes, and I I didn't address the top one hundred thing. I talked about it on quick slants as well. I'm I'm not a fan of the top one hundred. I think the voting system, uh, Mark, you kind of alluded to it. Um, the voting system is, and they're different, obviously, for the Pro Bowl and for the top 100 list, but it's broken. Like that, That's why people don't like the Pro Bowl, because the way the players are selected is just, it's its like, come on, man. You know, last season, David Bakhtiari, you know, I mean, it's always a year late that a player ends up on the Pro Bowl or, you know, next now, now watch next year, Kenny Clark may have, you know, a little bit of a, of a season down from what he did last season, but then he's going to end up in the in the top 50 on that top 100 list just because there's a year lag of everybody being like, oh, we got we got to get Kenny on this list. He wasn't on it last year. So, yeah. Can I, I tell you a uh, Pro Bowl story? Would love it. Absolutely. All right, so this is 1988, all right? I don't know if you guys were, were either you were born yet? Absolutely. I was not. <laughs> I didn't think so. I knew, I knew what he was born. All right, so 1988. Um, the Eagles are spending a week in Arizona. Um, Jason, you can relate to that. They're, we're we're staying at the um, oh, it's a great resort out there. I can think. Uh, the Biltmore, not Camelback. No, no, no. Camelback uh, Inn, no, Biltmore, Phoenician. The Point. The Point. Okay. The, was it the All Point right. Tabatio or the Point South Mountain? South Mountain. South Mountain. Okay. All right. So we're staying there for a whole week because the Eagles. When Buddy Ryan was the coach, when they had two like long road trips back to back, he would keep them out there for a week. So it's the last two games of the season. They played the um, the Cardinals and then the Cowboys. So they play the Cardinals, they beat the Cardinals, and they and we spend the week in Arizona be, before we go to Dallas. Not the worst thing in the world for the the beat writers who <laughs> right. it's getting pretty cold back in it's getting pretty cold back in Philadelphia that right. that, that time of year. So we have a great anyway. Players had voted for the Pro Bowl before they left for Arizona. That was when the votes were were due. The team gets announced the week that we're out, out in Arizona. So the, the PR guy sees me. We're, we're staying in the same villa or whatever, um, same complex area. He says to me, hey, you, you going out to practice? I said, yeah. He said, well, here I, here's the Pro Bowl list. Give it, you know, pass it around. And I, I remember, it's '88. There's no internet. There's no, you know, it's it's a long time ago. So, so he hands me the list of the whole Pro Bowl team, and he says, "Me, yeah, Randall made it, Reggie made it, and this guy made that guy." But here's the whole list. So I have it, and I'm walking with it. And I'm as I'm walking to practice, Mike Quick and Reggie White are walking, and two two guys that I got along with very very well. So I I I, I, I know Reggie made it, right? So. I don't think Quick did that year. I'm pretty sure he he was hurt. So I congratulate Reggie on making the Pro Bowl. And I said, yeah, I got the, oh, you got the list? I said, yeah. So I hand Reggie the list. And first thing, he looks at it and says, oh, no. And I'm like, what's wrong? He went, oh, no. I said, what, what, who did? And he looks at Quick, and and they start laughing a little bit, but they're upset. And I'm I'm finally, I'm like, guys, you got to tell me what's going on. And they said, well, don't write this. 
but I guess I could tell it now, 30 years later, or whatever. But they said we voted for. They wanted Randall to make the to, be, to make the Pro Bowl and start, and that was like his first great year. So you don't you can't vote for your own guy. So they voted for Wade Wilson of the Vikings as the quarterback over Jim Everett, so that Randall because Everett was the guy they thought might beat out Randall. So they didn't vote for Everett. They voted for for, for Wade Wilson. Well. Wade Wilson made the game over Everett. It was Randall and Wade Wilson with a two quarterbacks. The, the quarterback. <laughs> so they felt like they actually felt bad that they put Wilson in the game over Everett. But that just tells you how, and I'm sure the Eagles aren't alone in their thinking the way they, the way they, they voted that that year. So from then on, I just had in my mind, I'm like, yeah, the Pro Bowl voting means nothing. And that was just, to, just so I'm straight here. Was that when Wilson was uh, quarterback of the Vikings? Yes, yes. He had a good year. Well, you know, I guess they got to get a player in the Pro Bowl, a quarterback in the Pro Bowl once every couple decades, right? So (laughs) one that they didn't borrow from the Green Bay Packers, that is. Right. So, no, that's awesome. Always love those those little nuggets in there. So, all right, off the defensive line into the edge rushers. So this was a little bit – you guys varied a little bit here. So, uh, Mark, you had five, and Paul, you had – just the four. four guys. So, Paul, we'll let you start with your list of four on the edge. We all know who at least three of those names are. Yep. So, obviously, the Smiths and Gary. And admittedly, this came out last Wednesday. And Wednesday afternoon into Thursday, I was already kicking myself. I kind of wanted <laughs> to keep a fifth edge rusher. But I kept four. And the fourth was Jonathan Garvin, seventh-round pick. Uh, reason that I chose him, another productive player in college. And, once again, upside He's either just turned 21 years old or he's not even 21 years old yet. So productive player getting after the quarterback and against the run. Um, and like I said, just a lot of potential that he has. Yeah, and then, Mark, you've got one other guy. You've got a fifth guy on your edge list. Yeah, I kept the same four that that Paul did same for the same reasons on, on Garvin upside. Um, he was pretty good, again, pretty good, good college player that I don't think they want to risk, They you know, they probably could put him on a practice squad, but I don't know. I don't know if they'd want to risk exposing him to to the rest of the league. So I kept him, and then I also kept uh, Tim Williams, who was on the practice squad last year, um, a veteran. I think this year I I kind of I don't know if I read it somewhere, or saw a quote somewhere that 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 you they, the team might keep a little go a little more veteran some places because of everything that's going on. So I just I just felt I, I would keep five rush five edge guys, um, and Williams was my fifth guy based most mostly only because of his he he has been in the league he he played in Baltimore a little bit. Um, there's other guys. I mean I I I went back and forth there there too. Should I keep five edge and four inside guys, or go forward? You know, go back and forth there. Do I keep Williams and Garvin or just one of them? It, that that was a tough decision, and probably one of the Packers going to be doing the same things over. So um, we'll, we'll find out of what, what they think. But Williams, I just kept mainly for the experience factor there. Well, it's an easy discussion, but there are two guys that did make the NFL's top 100 list on the on your Packers edge depth chart, which is Darius Smith and Preston Smith, both of their first season with the team as free agents. So, you know, it's a very impactful group. It's one I expect to be good again this year. And Rashawn Gary, a huge X factor there. If he steps up and does some really big things, then that gives the Packers a lot of flexibility in what they can do in moving forward with the group and in other areas of the roster. But, Mark, you said you weren't sure whether to to allocate more to the edge or the inside, and the answer for you was four inside linebackers then. So right. give us your four. I kept um, Christian Kirchke, obviously. He's number one. I kept the rookie Martin out of Minnesota. Um I kept um, Oren Burks, giving him one more chance, and I kept Ty Summers. Um, Bolton was the one I, I I cut him. You know, I I said you know he he's coming off the injury, and I think that was my deciding factor there. That um, again, because this year is such a goofy year, um, I, I I don't think anybody's going to pick him up if they cut him and put him on the practice try to get him on the practice squad because he's coming off the the bad day injury. So, uh, but again, if, you know, it wouldn't shock me if, if he made the team as the fifth guy or if, or if he beat out one of the other guys. Um, 
Burks I kept only because I think he's pretty good on special I did not pretty good. I, I think he's very good on, on, on special teams. He has not been the guy they had hoped he would be when they when they traded up in the third round to take him out of Vanderbilt. Um, and again, maybe the light bulb finally come, comes on. I mean, um, just a guy from a couple years ago, uh, Fackrell, his first two, two years, he looked like a total washout. And then all of a sudden, the third year, the light bulb came on and he, and he had what he had, like 10 sacks that year, 10 and a half sacks. So maybe Burks is the same way. Maybe it, it's, it takes a little time. He has had some, some injuries. Um, but I kept, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. So that's kind of why I, 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 I kept him. Martin, I think was a real good pick. I actually did a story about him, um, that ran in Thursday's Packer re, re, report. Um, he could be, he could be a, a, a fifth round steal for the Packers, I think. No, I agree. I think that, I think a lot feel that same way. And Paul, you saw the inside linebacker position exactly the same as, as Mark did. So are you as high on Kamal Martin as Marcus? Yeah, I really like what he can bring as well. I mean, at Minnesota, he, they line, I mean, he primarily played in the box, but they lined him up pretty much everywhere. Um, he can play against the run, but he can also drop into coverage a little bit as well. Um, help against those tight ends and running backs. And then as far as Warren Burks, I agree with Mark still a year too early to give up on him. Kirksey's a no brainer. And then I went with Ty Summers over Bolton just because pretty much what Mark said, the uncertainty of how he's going to come back from that injury. I know he looked really good last preseason, but odd off season coming back from the injury. And initially I wrestled around with keeping five of these guys. So keeping Mm -hmm. Bolton with the additional four, but for how often the Packers play with just one linebacker on the field, keeping five of them, even if there are question marks around this unit, it, it just felt unnecessary. Yeah. Bolton was, was coming on. Uh, he was really coming on and making some waves. And then injury, you know, we've seen it happen so many times. Injury kind of derails everything. And we'd like to see him make something of himself. I know some of his tweets, if you follow him, he's definitely motivated and ready to come back. He's aware of what he's up against, but he's got no shortage of confidence in himself. So you want that, that healthy competition. And in a group, in moving on to the next group, that is a little bit meatier and has more players to it, Impressively enough, you guys both agreed on your cornerbacks room, and there were six cornerbacks that you guys each kept. So, Paul, we've talked a lot about the corner group on recent shows. We broke down, I mean, almost each one of these guys individually uh, just because it's such an important position. And then the the will or will not the Packers bring Tremont Williams back. Well, right now he's not on this roster. So give us who your six guys are. So, Jair... Kevin King, Chandon Sullivan, Josh Jackson, once again, like Burks, struggled, but still too early to give up on him. Kadar Holman, you know, um, this podcast's biggest fan. We're the president then, of his fan club, that's right. <laughs> yes, yes we that's are. It. And then the sixth guy, Stanford Samuels, undrafted free agent from Florida State. Um, there's several draft analyst scouts who had a third, fourth round grade on him prior to the combine where he ran, I believe, a 4 6 5, 40. Uh, but he's a physical corner, and I think in those pr- in the press man coverage that Petten likes to use, I think he could find success there. Now he's never gonna, you know, <laughs> with that speed, he's not gonna come in and be, you know, the one or two cornerback on your team. But if he's your four, you're doing pretty well, I think. I think he can find success in the NFL if put into the right situation. And so that's why I decided to keep him, just because I think he's a really good fit um, for this defense. And, Mark, you had the exact same group. So any varying thoughts on your group of guys? No, Paul, I, I agree with Paul. And it, it's funny that, that we both put uh, the kid from Florida State on or Samuel. And that my, my thinking was the same as, as Paul's. I think, he's a, I, I think they got a pretty good deal there getting him as an un, undrafted guy. He could have easily have gone, if not third or fourth round, at least sixth round somewhere. He should have gotten drafted. Um, but they signed him. Um, and the Packers keep, and I, and I know this, like, again, this year is is unlike any other, but I can't remember the last time the Packers didn't keep an undrafted free agent. They almost always do, and I think he's the cream of that crop this year, so I just, that's the one I decided to keep. 
And one other thing that I wanted to add, like I said, Samuels ran like a four six five forty. Forty is an indicator, but it's not the be all end all. And I know Chandon Sullivan still has a little bit more to prove, but last year he was very good. Sullivan ran in the four sixes as well. So it's not necessarily like I said, it's not the be all end all or a career killer for him by any means. Yeah, and if you right. know where to be on the field, that makes up for any lack of speed because you're in the right spot. If you can run fast and you're running as fast as you can to the wrong place on the field, it doesn't doesn't really matter as right. much. So that's that's a very astute point. So and and like you said earlier, Paul, you know I don't want my number one corner being a guy that runs a four six. But right. If, if he's your fourth, even like, in in our case, he's your fifth or sixth right now. Yep. Yeah, you could be fine with that, you know. And there's ups again. There's upside. I want mm-hmm. the upside of, with him. Right. So to round everything off, the final group is the safeties, and you guys did vary a little bit here. So, Mark, you have four safeties, and then, Paul, because you only had four edge rushers, you've got a fifth safety. So, Paul, we'll start with you on your safety group and who your five guys are. So, easy three, Amos, Savage, and Green, of course. And then I kept Will Redman. You know, when he had to fill in last year, he struggled, especially in coverage, but he was very good on special teams. And I think that alone is enough to keep him on the roster. But like I said, he had some issues as the safety. And Vernon Scott, who was one of the Packers' seventh-round picks, he can fill that Raven Green role. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come in and be as good as Raven Green right away. He probably isn't but at least gives them a backup who can fill that role if Green is out, whereas I don't feel as confident that Redmond can. So that's why I wanted to keep a fifth safety on there. And once again, the Packers play with three quite often as well. Right. And then, Mark, you had just the four safeties, the right. same same four as Paul, uh, minus Vernon Scott, who, you know, obviously I think the Packers, if they don't keep him on the roster, you would you would think that maybe he ends up at least on the practice squad. Oh, and I and I wrote that, and and that was my, I went back and forth between him and Redmond, and you know I I didn't have but by the time I got to say I I didn't have room for a fifth one I, I mean I guess I could have gone light somewhere else but I didn't, um, I was going to keep and again, in another in a different year I may have kept Scott over Redmond, um. But again, with the lack of everything, the lack, no, no OTA, no mini camp, no rookie camp, no, I mean, this isn't even training camp, what they're doing now. They're, they're there, but it's not what you would consider, you know, two a day practices, you know, doing what, you, what they've done, you know, for a hundred years in football. Um, no preseason games. I think it's going to be hard. I, I, I kept Redmond over Scott because of the, the experience factor. And as Paul said, he's very good on special teams. Um, I think Scott's a guy that they, they can get to the pro. I don't think he'll get claimed. I mean, you, you don't know, but um, he's a guy that I think could, well, could be on the roster by the end of the year, but on my original 53. Although now that, you know what, now that I'm down a wide receiver, maybe that, maybe that's where I'll, I'll add the other player. <laughs> so, yeah, so Redmond survives there, um, or Scott survives there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's there's your there's your final rosters from each of these guys, and I mean this is always uh, it's amazing that we were that close. Yes, we did, we did not speak. Thing. We did not speak at all. I mean, we, we didn't. I didn't call you. You didn't call me. I didn't see no. your story. You know, it was it's pretty amazing. Yeah, and those are gutsy pieces. I mean, I give you guys both a lot of credit for putting it out there because if there's there's some pieces every year that you do that you know are going to get a ton of fan reaction, and not all of it is is positive and supportive. So. You know, and, and things change, and, and as they will, and they already have. So, but this was still fun to kind of go through, and then comparing it to how you do at the end of the season, and then, you know, how you how you do. I mean, Mark, in all the years that you did this uh, covering the NFL, did you ever did you ever by the time you wrote the piece, did you ever get it one hundred percent correct? No, never one hundred percent. See, it's hard. Well, no, I I always joked that I got it one hundred percent. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's one. That's well, that's mindset. one way to look at it. I mean, one one Super Bowl ever would probably say that Mark. Well, maybe there's a little bit of maybe a little I, bit of credence to what you said there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. I didn't get it wrong. They did. Yeah, your friend, your friend Andy Reid, and whatever influence he had on the draft decisions, right? So, so. Uh, as far as content this week, it's uh, it's been a, a busy week. Uh, I've put up a couple breaking news posts. If you want to learn a little bit more about new 
Packers H-back John Lovett. I'm a little bit up there at Game On Wisconsin. Paul, this week at Game On Wisconsin and Dairyland Express between the two, I expect to see about 250 pieces come out from you. So what are we working on this week? <laughs> wow. All right. Um, that's actually lower than normal. <laughs> Uh, this week, once again, I've just been kind of going through player by player and also just looking at, you know, different, you know, thoughts that I have on training camp. Like this week at GCIDV, I did why, you know, I think they should keep five receivers. So just little nuggets like that. And if any news breaks as well. Gotcha. And then Mark over Packer Report. I don't know yet. Uh, matter of fact, I'm going to throw it out to our, our listeners. If anybody, give me an idea this week. Because I'm, I thought by now I would have like training camp stuff to write about and but they're not really doing it. it's not like there's nothing football wise there's nothing coming out of that so i'll come up with something right now like i'll be honest it's thursday night i don't know what i'm writing yet for, for monday or next week but um i will have something I, I i promise you that if any of our listeners have have ideas you you have my my twitter mark eckles 08 um give me ideas i'll be happy to look at them at least well so, no... uh, i gotta ask i gotta ask ask paul something though. are the bucks gonna win this or what I think so. I would. I'm. So. I'm going to be surprised if they don't, and disappointed. Yeah, <laughs> well, they, they win the East, right? Yeah, they have. They have to. They're the best team. They were the best team in basketball before all this shut down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the big. Obviously, we don't know how anyone's going to come back, but I mean, they have very good chemistry and the MVP. So, I mean, you got to like their chances, don't you? Well, and I hope that they win, if for no other reason than if the Brewers go through a slump or something like that. We keep yeah. we keep Paul out of the uh, out of the mental yeah. doldrums, you know. Right, exactly. <laughs> Honestly, just the fact that sports are back. I mean, the Brewers yeah. lost their opener, but they could have lost fifty to nothing. I wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, it's been good. It's good to have sports back, and hopefully everybody stays healthy. We're into August yeah. now, so it's hot. I'm sure it's hot wherever you are listening out there. Thanks everybody as always for listening to us. You can follow Pack a Day Podcast on Twitter, and then find our podcast wherever you get your podcast. So everybody stay cool, stay safe, and go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.